Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb, Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai, and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. This week, we have an amazing guest on. I am so excited to have her on. She is somebody who I met back in 2017, and she didn't know me at the time, but I silently stalked her for a long time. (laughs) Before I approached her to be guest speakers on my programs, to do master classes for the She Sisterhood. And she has been just a light of inspiration on this journey of helping me to awaken to my womb energy and learning about my body in a different way. So I'm so excited to have her on here today. Madeline McKinnon, our guest today, is a passionate nutritionist with 10 years of experience helping women to recover from debilitating hormone imbalances to pursuing her mission. Madeline has founded the Natural Hormone Healing because she believes that women need a holistic day-to-day strategy to balance their hormone health and fertility without synthetic hormones and medications. She is known for her popular hormone balancing cooking classes that she teaches live across Canada And she also supports women worldwide through her premier one-on-one online hormone health coaching program. I am so excited to have her on here and for her to give us insight as to what is this idea of eating for our hormones and how can we begin to think about hormone balancing through the food that we are ingesting, through our nutrition, through our habits. Welcome, Madeline. I am so excited to have you here and I can't wait to get into this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I'm super excited to just get into this call and and share what all, everything about. I want to share so much about nutrition and hormones and. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so exciting. Okay, so before we even jump in, this is a big question for a lot of listeners all the time: is hormone balancing and why is it important? So many people they use this term and they don't know really why they're using it or what they should be doing or what this means for impacting all the phases of their cycle and all the phases of their life. So can you tell us a little bit about what hormone balancing is to you and why you feel it is so important that every woman know this? That is a great question because hormone balancing does, it is very elusive when you think of it. Like, what does it actually mean? Um, I really like to think of hormone balancing. A really easy way to understand it is, for example, the thyroid, you know, your thyroid hormone. If you have a a low thyroid, that is technically a hormone imbalance where you either have an imbalance in your TSH or your T3 or some of your other thyroid hormones. And that in turn goes to create a lot of symptoms in the body if it is out of balance, if your endocrine system is out of balance. So like low energy, hair loss, weight gain, a lot of these symptoms can really impact the quality of our lives. And the same goes for other hormones. So we have all of our sex hormones, like our estrogen, our progesterone, our testosterone. All of these hormones are responsible for very important things like our menstrual cycle, our libido, our sex drive, our energy. All of these hormones really are so, so important for our overall health and quality of life. And when they go out of balance, it can create 
a lot of problems. So that's the way I see hormone balancing is just really making sure your body has the support to have proper levels at all the different times in your cycle and also throughout day-to-day life. Um, At different times of the day, even your cortisol, for example, that's a stress hormone that needs to be at certain levels of balance throughout the day in order to have enough energy and sleep well. So they all have a very significant impact. And what we actually do can make a difference in our hormone levels. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's so interesting to me too, because when I started going down this rabbit hole of trying to understand the body when I was a yoga therapist and understanding the woman's cycle and hormone imbalancing and what we could do, it fascinated me so much to see the female body in these three different transitions of like puberty and seeing like this first surge that so many girls are are getting. And when we think of in our younger years, maybe in our like just after puberty in those teen years of the painful periods that I experienced and, you know, the rush of emotions and now understanding that that was all a hormone reaction that was happening in my body being introduced to hormones that it never had been introduced to before. It would have been fascinating if my mom would have known more to be able to support me through what I was eating (laughs) to help with those, because we see those same fluctuations later on in life when we're pregnant or when we are um, post-pregnancy, when we are going into perimenopause or menopause. So like, it's really, it's been a fascinating journey for me to learn that like there's a cycle within our cycle, but then also how these hormones shift and change and prime our body all in different ways through all the different phases of the cycle or phases of our life, not cycle. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It's really interesting how your hormones are going to usually shift at those really, really big times in our life. That's actually where we can become more vulnerable to hormone imbalances, like right in puberty in your teen years. Postpartum is a time where a lot of women can struggle with hormone imbalances. And then menopause, you know, pregnancy is like such a huge surge of hormones that is in, are, is impacting us in an incredibly significant way. And then hormones too, when we have a specific times of transition in our lives, maybe even going through really stressful times, like maybe someone has gone through a breakup or a divorce or just a really, really intense career transition. A lot of these times your hormones will become more vulnerable too when you're going through these times of stress. So what are some signs of hormone imbalancing? What are some things that women can begin to look for to know that this should be something that they should be watching for? There are a lot of different symptoms and sometimes it can feel confusing because when you look online at like a whole list of symptoms, you can wonder like, what do I have? What's going on? But I like to first look at the menstrual cycle. So if you are menstruating, it's actually really valuable to assess your menstrual cycle and figure out if you have any symptoms that are outside of the normal range of what should be for a healthy cycle. And then you can know if if it's potentially a hormone balance or something to pursue. So when usually with the menstrual cycle, uh, some red flags for hormone balance could be having a really heavy period. Typically that might look like 
you know, you, you're having to change pads or tampons multiple times through the night. You're noticing you're leaking through your clothes, like multiple times having to just change menstrual products a lot. Usually when you have a heavy period, you'll know because it can be very disruptive. That can be an indication of having too much estrogen compared to your progesterone because estrogen actually builds, is responsible for building up your uterine lining. So the more estrogen, the thicker your uterine lining is going to be, which is basically your period. Your uterine lining is what you release uh, every single month during your period. Looking at PMS symptoms. So if you have having a little bit of irritability is normal before your period, maybe for a couple of days, you're going to feel different. But if you're having PMS symptoms that are really impacting the quality of your life, that are going on for like multiple days, that can be another red flag. So I'm thinking really intense PMS depression, PMS anxiety, breast tenderness, bloating. Maybe you get fibrocystic breasts during that time. Maybe you feel that PMS rage where you feel a need to like isolate yourself from your partner or your family because you're like, I don't think I can control myself right now. I just need my time. Uh, there's there's an extent of some of it is normal, but then when it gets to that level where you're like, you know, considering, you know, maybe you're you're considering questioning your relationship or like a lot of people actually tell me that, that they like question their relationship sometimes during PMS. And then, and then when it's, yeah, when, when it, it's totally normal afterwards. So when it's like yeah. at that level, that can That's be 100% yeah. me. <laughs> 100% me. I can relate to so much of that. And, you know, yeah, PMS or that luteal phase is very, it can be very intense, especially when I haven't cared for myself properly yes. during my menstruation. Mm-hmm, totally. And there's a lot of other menstrual cycle symptoms we could get into, but I do want to talk about energy. So energy can be related to hormones, especially thyroid and adrenals. If you just feel like, you know, no matter how much sleep you get, you don't feel well rested. Libido is is really, really impacted by hormones too, uh, especially testosterone. A lot of women have low testosterone, which can cause low libido and sometimes hair loss, acne. There's a, a lot of different things that can happen. When you think of these imbalances that you see in a lot of the clients that you work with and a lot of what you've researched, how can we start to do simple steps to start to create some established balance or start to work on balancing the estrogen and balancing the progesterone? Yeah, such a good question. I work a lot with estrogen and progesterone because it is something I see a lot, especially because it manifests a lot of those premenstrual period symptoms. And the first thing is to pay attention to your menstrual cycle. So I really recommend building awareness first. So look at tracking your cycle length. So do you have a typical 28-day cycle? Is it 35 days? Paying attention to the date you get your period. I think a lot of people are doing that. And then just start observing if, you know, around that luteal phase, that second half of your cycle, observe if a lot of your symptoms are around then. Because it's actually a lot of people I, I've talked to don't, sometimes are feeling awful for years and they don't 
actually correlate their symptoms to different times in their menstrual cycle. So first off, building that awareness to see if this is something you want to focus on, like 100%. And I really like to also start with nutrition as well, because nutrition is something that we all eat every single day. We all eat food. It's not something we need to actually do extra It's just we need to choose the right types of food that are going to nourish and support our hormone health. So I can definitely share a couple tips of what you can do with your nutrition right away to really help support your hormones and support your cycle. I would love that. Are you wanting to understand your cycle better, to understand your rhythm, the language of your womb, and to really begin to connect deeper with your body? then I invite you to go and grab my free charting journal. This is a charting journal to chart for both your physical, your emotional, and your spiritual self to deeply connect to your womb wisdom and to understand how to live more in alignment with your energy so that you can have more self-love, more compassion, and you can live your life to the fullest with so much pleasure, with so much fun, and with excitement. It is time for us to be empowered by our womb wisdom and by the language of our cycle. So hop on over to the link below in the show notes and grab your free copy of the charting journal today. So what are some of the tips that we could do for nutrition? What are things, foods that you would promote or um, suggest to your clients? So nutrition, the interesting thing, what I love about nutrition is nutrients are the building blocks of a lot of hormones. There's been a lot of research done about food, nutrients, and hormones, and there's some nutrients we just really, really need to have healthy hormones. And actually, a lot of those nutrients, interesting enough, are a lot of nutrients that we can tend to get deficient in, especially in our modern culture. So the first thing I want to talk about is omega-3. A lot of us do not get enough omega-3. In particular, I'm talking about DHA and EPA from seafood. It's seafood and getting it from marine sources is actually super important because you're able to absorb and convert enough to the active form. And omega-3 is really important because it helps to bring inflammation down to healthy levels. And it can all, inflammation is another key player when it comes to hormone balance. If you have inflammation, more inflammation in your body, it can actually disrupt your hormone communication. So I I love seafood for that. It's also important for supporting the health of your ovaries and eggs, which are really, really important for boosting your estrogen and boosting your progesterone and making sure they're at healthy levels. And it's also important for your testosterone. And there's one study that I always like to reference that couples that eat more than three servings of seafood per week have a higher chance of conceiving and they also have more sex if you increase your omega-3 consumption. And I just don't think we eat enough of it, uh, especially the really good forms. And I think we also depend a little bit too much on supplementation 
for omega-3, I really prefer recommending people just eat seafood regularly, like at least three times a week and choosing seafood from wild sources that are low in mercury. So typically for me, what that looks like is getting like wild salmon and just cooking it up. Uh, one of my, I have an air fryer and one of my favorite things to do is I'll just take a couple fillets of frozen salmon out of the freezer. I'll put it on some parchment paper, put some salt and maybe a little bit of butter or ghee, and I'll just throw it in the air fryer and you get this easy meal. I have a preference for eating it with sweet potatoes, especially the Japanese sweet potatoes where they're, they're whiter sweet potatoes. They're way better than yams. I just eat that for dinner it's so easy and it's so supportive for hormone hormone levels. Um, also, sardines are great. I know not everyone is a fan of sardines. I recommend seeking out the smoked wild sardines are delicious. You can have them just as a snack um, on some crackers, maybe trying. I have a sardine pasta recipe that I absolutely love. And just looking, you know, cod can be good to have occasionally. It can be a little bit higher in mercury, but like cod is good. Halibut, just looking for those wild seafood sources and having them regularly. It, I just recommend tr making that effort to do it three times a week and observe how much better you feel and also how much better your menstrual cycle is in the next cycle. It's so funny. I thought I was doing such a good job by having seafood once a week. Yeah. Once a week is still good, but so many of our ancestors were from mm -hmm. close to the sea and our genetics really need seafood. Like mm -hmm. so many people really need it. And I know for me personally, I feel so much better when I'm eating it regularly. I know it's hard because we're both from Alberta. We're in like the land of Alberta beef and we're not by the sea, so it can be tricky, but really seeking out those sources and getting it in your diet is important. So would sushi count towards the seafood? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Sushi is excellent, especially looking for like wild sockeye sushi. That's great. And it actually omega-3 when you have it raw is more absorbable and it has less of a chance of becoming denatured or rancid. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of fish oils is a lot of them are rancid, especially the lower quality ones. So you have to really seek out a really good quality fish oil because once something goes rancid, it can become inflammatory. So then it deplete, depletes the point of actually having it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Good to know. <laughs> I'm going to up my sushi intake. <laughs> Definitely. If you have like your weekly sushi ritual, that is excellent. Yeah. I'll share a funny story. So like Madeline said, we're both from Alberta, which is like a landlocked province in Canada. Um, and this summer we went to Vancouver uh, for a family vacation and I have three children and to go anywhere to buy, like have a meal where it was spaghetti or pasta, which my kids love was like uh, over a hundred dollars for five of us. Like it was like $130, but if we went for sushi, it was $50. And my husband's like, that's it for the next two weeks. All wow. we eat is sushi. <laughs> So yeah, it was a big difference between pasta and sushi. I know. And it's impressive how if you start kids early, they can like love sushi. I, I would have never been into it as a kid. But if you start them early, I have friends and it's just amazing how you can just yep. eat, eat all of the rolls. And Vancouver is definitely good for some good yes. sushi. I also wanted to give bonus points to one more thing. Um, oysters. 
are like the hormone balancing superstar food because not only they have raw omega-3, especially when you get those freshly shucked oysters, you're getting zinc uh, in a really bioavailable form, balanced with copper, which is really essential for building testosterone, building healthy progesterone levels and thyroid. It's like you're getting this multivitamin. So bonus points go out for oysters once or twice a month. <laughs> it's funny because oysters and organ meat are my two things that I'm just like, I can't do. And mm-hmm. I had Madeline on a mastermind call for our She Sisterhood. And that's where she was talking a lot about the benefits of organ meat. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to love this. And I haven't got yeah. there yet, but I have it in my freezer at least now. Okay. Now a part of me is like, okay, now I have to like somehow just mindset my way through <laughs> eating oysters. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can also, mussels are great too, or scallops. There's a lot of other ways. And even if you don't like oysters, it's just about finding the other nutrients that you can get in as well that have similar, similar nutrient profile. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So seafood is important. And the other important thing I, I think we really want to get more of is making sure we're having enough magnesium rich foods because a really big percentage of the population is deficient in magnesium. And in our high stress culture, magnesium can be depleted faster when you're going through times of stress. So magnesium, a lot of people take magnesium supplements. I think that can be really helpful, but just making sure you're being conscious about eating magnesium rich foods in your diet every single week. And you can get magnesium from plant and certain animal foods. It is actually quite high in some forms of seafood, but when it comes to plants, like leafy greens are an excellent source. So making up uh, some Swiss chard or kale sauteed, cooking it up in some butter with some onions, having that just as your veggie side dish. My fiance is Brazilian and we actually have gotten quite accustomed to having beans regularly, especially at lunch. So we'll have like black eyed peas or black beans, both have a really high amount of magnesium in them. So I try and do that. Um, Other forms, uh, I believe avocados are a really good source of magnesium and also chocolate. So just having like, if you like like a dark chocolate, maybe putting a tablespoon of cacao powder or cocoa powder just right in your smoothies is especially during your luteal phase because you usually, your body usually requires a little bit more magnesium during right before your period is going to start. So I, I think that can make a really big difference. Just being conscious about adding those magnesium rich foods in your diet regularly. I love that. I love the idea of magnesium and well, and let's be honest, I love the idea of dark chocolate. So <laughs> yeah. And I, I, it's funny because when I started charting my cycle, I noticed on what day I craved dark chocolate and like, we try to have a pretty low sugar household here, but when it hits that day, usually around day 26, 27, I'm in the pantry searching for anything. And it's usually like the dark chocolate chips that I bake with, but I'm like, okay, I'll just have handfuls of these. But yeah, it's really interesting that I've been able to pinpoint exactly what day it is that I crave Mm -hmm. the dark chocolate. And it's always a day or two before my bleed. 
Yeah, it's so fascinating. And and leading up to your period too, like your nutrition requirements really change. It's like your body can become more, um, the blood sugar can go out of balance a lot more easy. Like the other day I made the mistake of having, like I'm I'm in my luteal phase right now, probably going to get my period in a couple of days. And I had this Brazilian guava paste, which is this guava, it's this delicious Brazilian dessert. And then we didn't have, have any plans for dinner. We didn't know what we were going to have for dinner. And it was the first time in a while I felt really hangry, like very much. And I, I knew this was happening really because it was that critical time in my cycle. So it's really important to like make sure you're eating regular meals. So having like protein and yeah, instantly I was, I got these meatballs and I like, I was feeling so hangry. And then I had a couple of these meatballs and it was like, because I'm like, I need protein. And then instantly I like was back to normal. It was amazing. So protein is essential. So like getting it enough in the day, just having like really nutrient dense meals three times a day, having your snacks because your, your blood sugar can really go off a lot more easily during that time. And then getting that magnesium in is, is super important too. And also knowing that your calorie requirements change. So you might actually need more food during that time too. So don't feel bad if you're you know, feeling that urge to get the extra chocolate or you want to have more, um, an extra serving of dinner. That is totally fine because you have to listen to your body. It does need more nutrients. So one thing that you said that kind of spurred something in me is this idea of eating enough protein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think, and, and I'm excited about to hear where this is going to go, but so much of our culture, at least when I was in my teens and early 20s, was low-fat diets, not a big promotion on eating proteins. And then since then, there's been like, all these fad diets that have come out from paleo diet to the, like the latest one that's always seems to be on my doorstep of intermittent fasting. And I remember just recent, well, it's probably about a year ago now that a girlfriend of mine was telling me how she was so excited about starting intermittent fasting. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't think that's going to be good for our bodies. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But, and like, she was spouting all this research, but I was like, I don't think that works for female hormones. And so Mm -hmm. diet culture, How is this impacting our hormone balance? Yeah, this is a loaded topic, something I'm really passionate about because the truth is that a lot of trending diets are horrible for our hormone balance and horrible for our menstrual health. And for so long, so many women have been pursuing nutrition more around the idea of of getting thin or losing weight or trying to have their ideal body than actually eating to support their health and ideally their their hormone health. That's a narrative I, w- I really want to change is that we really need to think about eating for our hormone health rather than physical health. Because even a lot of people who talk to me when I meet people at like parties, uh, usually when I tell people I'm a nutritionist, they think I help people lose weight. <laughs> like they're like, oh, maybe I'm going to send you. My sister might be interested in working with you because she needs to lose weight. And that's actually really, unfortunately, we think about nutrition too long. We've been thinking about nutrition more of 
compared to like losing weight than actually nutrition for health. But so, so that's a really, really big thing that's important. And a lot of the trending diets, just in general, being on a diet and calorie restricting in the long term or going on yo-yo diets, not even thinking about the types of food that you're eating, those diets can be really damaging to hormones, especially over time, because being in a calorie deficit actually stresses your body out. It raises your cortisol and just can really, really cause issues. And over time, you, it can even cause lower estrogen. It can interfere with ovulation. So in general, just dieting is not good for healthy hormones. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is these diets that we see is really popular. Like you mentioned intermittent fasting. That's not intermittent fasting. Most of those studies, you're right, have actually been done on men not many studies have been done about the benefits of intermittent fasting for women because we have a menstrual cycle. We can be, our menstrual cycle can be really, really sensitive to uh, any forms of calorie restriction or any forms of just restricting food at different times. And over time, I've noticed that a lot of people just don't do well because intermittent in fasting is just an extra stress on the body. And for the hormones to function well, we want to take those stresses off. So I've I've personally found is maybe there's some people that it works for. But if you're somebody who's struggling with hormone imbalances already, maybe you already have a high stress job or high stress family life. You don't want to add an extra stress on the body. You just don't want to. Uh, so that's about intermittent fasting. What other diets can you think of that have been popular? Another one that I've been hearing a lot in the fertility world, and I know nothing about it, so I have no idea, is the Mediterranean diet. And I'm mm -hmm. assuming that one is good hormonally, but I have no idea because I don't know what it's about. Yeah, I probably the, the Mediterranean diet, I think, is probably one of the best ones out there, but not doing it to lose weight, doing it for health. From mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in it, but my understanding, it would be having healthy fats eating fish, still eating meat, not mm -hmm. restricting many different types of food. That that's a good that's actually an example of one diet. As long as you're not trying to do it to restrict calories, that wouldn't be beneficial for hormones. Yeah. And the women that I have talked to that have have brought it to my attention are all ones that are doing it for egg quality. And so yeah. they're really focused on eating a lot of the fishes and a lot of the fats, which to me was like good language when I was hearing it. I'm like, Definitely. yes, we That's want fish, one. we want fat, um, which brings in probably the biggest diet that I've been so familiar with is the low fat diet. I think so many of us women at yeah. some point in our life have been exposed to this idea of a low fat diet. Definitely. I, yeah, I just want to preface to say that any diet that is asking you to restrict one of the macronutrients. So any diet that's telling you to restrict carbs, fat, or protein to me is a red flag because we need all three. We need healthy fats. Healthy fats are the building blocks of our hormones we do need them for our brain, like our brain needs, needs, needs fat. And I, I think that in the mainstream, I think a lot of people are being more, more aware, like uh, the, it's really low fat has changed a lot. Uh, like I, I, I'm sure that being on low fat diets, like 
people that were on it during their 20s, I'm sure it could be start even impacting their hormone health, like at this time now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it has a big impact, but like low fat diets, we don't want. Um, I also don't think keto diets are, are good for hormones either because keto diets are restricting carbohydrates. And typically a lot of women need moderate amounts of carbohydrates to also keep our stress hormones down. And it can also help support healthy ovulation. So I'm, I'm talking about moderate carbs. And what that looks like is with your dinner, having like a cup of white potatoes, a cup of sweet potatoes, a cup of rice, just adding carbs like into your meals. And then adding in some honey in your tea or having some treats once in a while, that's fine. And that's actually beneficial. So over time, the keto diet does that same thing. It can stress the body out and sometimes cause women to lose their menstrual cycles, usually due to the calorie restriction as well. So we don't want, yeah, keto or just not having enough protein. There's been such a fear of eating protein, like as as we were mentioning earlier as well. And, and typically women are usually the ones who are avoiding like red meat more as well. And I, I think we don't have to fear red meat either because it is a really good nutrient source. It's just making sure you're having it with a good you're also balancing out this having enough seafood in your diet, but you shouldn't have to like be avoiding red meat. Uh, protein is actually really important for building your thyroid for your thyroid hormones. You need um, different amino acids for creating your thyroid hormone. You need different amino acids for detoxing and supporting estrogen. So we need protein for our hormones too. So the rule of thumb is don't restrict any of the food groups. And when I talk food groups, I talk macronutrients. Don't restrict carbs. Don't restrict protein. Don't restrict fat and get to more of a very balanced way of eating. And I will tell you, it's so much easier to maintain a diet like this and you're going to feel so much better. Um, I work with a lot of clients privately. And Kate, I can't believe how many people tell me how much better they feel when they start eating this way. Like how mm-hmm. the sugar cravings go down, energy goes up, libido goes up. Uh, too many of us are on these like yo-yo swing extreme diets that are not good for our hormone health. Well, and I think a big part of our population, we haven't we haven't been taught about food in a really healthy relationship building kind of way. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is I remember the first time I had exposure to my Ayurvedic training, that was the first time that I think I ever really paused and was like, wait a minute, food is like helping my body rebuild when it breaks down. Like food is, it's not just, I got to feel a hunger cramp or I've got to feel an emotional need. It's like, Food is actually what will make my skin glide in my movements. Like when I'm doing yoga, it's what helps me feel like water helps me feel more elastic in my skin. You know, my skin conditions, every operation that we have in our body is because of some kind of substance that we're putting in to help that substance get what it needs so it can operate more efficiently. But what we're taught about food from a very young age is that you're hungry, you have to go and get something to fill that. And it doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't, there's no difference between if it comes in a package or if your mom took the time to cook it 
or if it came from a ground right outside your house, or it was transported three weeks ago and it's just been in a cooler, right? Like we haven't really been taught the dynamics of that. It's not that we have to do it perfectly, but that we have to know the operations of food, how it benefits us, how we can get more out of it. Yeah. And that, you know, give yourself slack. Like I'm not saying don't ever eat anything out of a package, but know that that's not ideal either. That like, if you're stressed out and you have 500 things going on that day and you just need to get food in your system, then like there's, there's tools there right? and then make an optimal meal the next day. But like, you know, it's not about being perfect. Like the old Kate would have been like, perfect mom has to cook three meals a day and I'm going to make fresh bread. And, and there was just this point that I broke and I was like, I cannot make fresh bread anymore. Like I'm just going to find a good source of bread versus just buying something that's convenient or then going to granola bars in the cupboard because I don't have good bread because I don't have the energy to make good bread. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you know, we find all these excuses, but to really start to like shift our mindset and our relationship of seeing food as like a builder for our body and what we put in it does count. And, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but what can we do? I'm not a great yeah. gardener. I've tried it. It stresses me out. So now I just find friends that are gardeners and I do an exchange with them, right? Like, so my food is a little bit more local. It is a little bit more with love and nutrients versus having this detached response about eating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's such a good way of looking at it. And I really like this idea of like the nutrition foundations for hormone balance. And I educate a lot of people on what should your day-to-day meals look like. And it's, it's very, very simple. It's not rocket science. It's just coming down to making sure each meal has a protein, it has fat, and then you have a source of healthy carb carbs. And if it has vegetables, great. If you you don't even need to have vegetables with every single meal, like, you know, at breakfast or sometimes at dinner, it's sometimes we don't have vegetables with every meal and that's okay. But really thinking about like that, that framework in your head that really helps can reorientate and actually make things a lot more easier. So instead of thinking like, I need to cook this recipe at dinner, you're starting to think about, okay, where's my protein coming from? Where's my fat? And where's my carb coming from? And just reorientating yourself around it. And even if some days you don't follow it, that's fine. But it's just about having a a framework to always come back to. And then it doesn't feel like a diet anymore. And your life is just so much easier when you have that framework. Well, and I think for most of us, we do have a semi-framework, right? That we've been mm-hmm. taught from the Canadian Food Guide here of just like, I need to have two fruits a day, right? And so somehow we managed to get those in, right? For the most part, yeah. <laughs> unless you have toddlers that eat all your fruit before you can get to it. Um, <laughs> but we we have a framework. When, we, when I plan a supper, even if it's like a last minute, we got through something together, I do think about the fact that I need to have a protein in here. I need to have... So like mm-hmm. this concept of understanding it for hormone health isn't that drastically different. It's probably yeah. shifting a few of our ideas and making things that maybe Definitely. weren't a priority, a priority yeah. now. Yeah, usually the biggest shift is not dinner. A lot of the time people think that they need to change their dinners, but they're already doing dinner right. So Mm -hmm. even typically having like the meat and potato dinner, you know, having some steak, some potatoes, some broccoli, that's actually great. Usually we need to reorientate our mindset around lunch. So for me, being with the Brazilian, we actually have our biggest meal of the day at lunch 
and that like, so we're doing like the fat protein carb at lunch as well. And that really helps. And I know a lot of in our culture too, like sandwiches are very typical for lunch. It's really funny. Usually my fiance will say sandwiches aren't even lunch. He's like, sandwiches are a snack. Like he's like, I actually need to eat lunch. Um, but now like when North America, we really need to work on our lunches. So I see like sandwiches, but actually one of the biggest issues is like that I see a lot of my clients doing is just having a salad for lunch. So, and maybe sometimes they don't even put protein, like just having a salad for lunch that is not sustainable over time. I think you should really try and have like your leftovers from dinner or just something really similar to what you'd have for dinner at lunch. That's one tip. And it really helps. A, a lot of people end up probably the, the recipe for hormone disaster is, and let me know if you re- can relate to this or you know other people that have done this. So you just have coffee for breakfast. Maybe you skip breakfast. You don't have any breakfast. And then you have like a salad for lunch and then dinner rolls around. And then you're just so ravenous that you have like a huge dinner and then you snack at night, like in front of the TV. This is like the recipe that I see that a lot of people, once they change their habits, feel so much better. Have you seen that? Well, here's a small, slight change to me (laughs) (laughs) is that I get up, I have to get kids ready for school. I have to make lunches and then I have to drive them to school. So in all of that, I have enough time to make myself a cup of coffee, but then I forget about my toast or whatever I'm eating. It's left on the counter. I come back, it's cold. And then I'm like, well, I got to go into the next task. And so then I just somehow managed to totally skip breakfast. Lunch, I usually like eat whatever's left over from my toddler maybe I'll get a piece of fruit in <laughs> and then supper. You're right. I go like, I'm starving. I need to eat. I eat a really good meal. Like supper's very, like I would say balanced and healthy. Cause I put thought into it. And then my kids go to bed at eight 30. And then it's like the emotional stress eating happens until 10 mm-hmm. o'clock at night. It's yeah. like, it's quiet. It's me yeah. time. And then I just like, and then afterwards I'm just like, I feel so gross going to bed. And then I'm like, why did I do that? I'm not going to do that tomorrow. And then I just do it again tomorrow. Yeah. So yes, my biggest thing is no breakfast. And I shouldn't say not all the time, but like today I had avocado and toast, but I didn't have a protein. So mm-hmm. like making that extra time yeah. to really make it balanced is, is hard. And I thought about it. I'm like, maybe I should make scrambled yeah. eggs this morning. And I was like, don't, don't have time. Yeah. And knowing that those cravings are probably coming from just not eating enough earlier in the day. So, so many people are just beating themselves up about having these cravings at night. And typically you don't even, if you just start eating, don't eat, if you just start eating that breakfast and lunch and not trying to like restrict yourself being like, oh, I can't eat after dinner. Typically, naturally, it's going to depend for everybody, but naturally you might not even have those cravings if you're eating in that first half of the day. Well, I imagine I wouldn't have those cravings also because I wouldn't feel like I need to emotionally eat because my mm-hmm. stress level would be better yes. because I haven't stressed my body throughout the day of not nurturing it. So, mm-hmm. Yes. Food is so important. And it's, I think, one of the fundamental things that we need to look at when we are looking at hormone health and how we can begin to weave this in as part of our our transformation that we're, we're seeking to feel better. Not even so that way there's like this health goal just so that we can feel better because when we feed ourselves properly, we emotionally feel better. Our stress isn't as reactive. Like there's so many things that line up when we eat well. And 
I can personally see this in my kids. When I feed them well, the amount of temper tantrums or sibling rivalries or all that kind of goes away. So if we can see this in kids, we can also see it in ourselves and how this can transform our emotional well-being. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, this has been so great. Okay. So Madeline has a very exciting announcement and I cannot wait for her to share with this with the world because after this call, I'm hopping over and I am going to go and purchase this. So Madeline, do you want to let the surprise out of the bag? Yeah, I'm really excited to announce that I have a book coming out. Uh, It's called The Hormone Type Cookbook. So it is a cookbook. It is full of nourishing recipes for balancing the seven different hormone types. So this cookbook can be used as a cookbook to that's full of recipes just to support your overall hormone health. You can make recipes from every single part of the book. And then there's also a way in the book to determine which hormone imbalance you have based on assessments in the book. And then you can get taken to the chapter for the particular hormone balance that you need to work on. So there's chapters on low estrogen, there's chapters on high estrogen, low progesterone, which is really important for fertility. And it is available right now. I'm it's available for pre-order right now. It will be available March 28th and it's available on most retailers, Amazon, Indigo, Barnes and Noble. You can get it most places in Europe, Australia. And so it's available everywhere. If you pre-order by February 16th, I do have some really awesome incentive bonuses. Uh, You can get uh, to attend a couple live online workshops with me. I'm going to be doing a hormone balance meal prep workshop and giving you a ton of recipes, estrogen dominance, cooking class. And you'll also receive my online elixirs for women's hormone balance course. So you just need to send your receipt um, to proof of purchase and you'll get on the list for that. Uh, you can purchase the book. Um, I have a page on my website. It's naturalhormonehealing.com slash book. And that has the links on everywhere you can pre-order it. So I'm, I'm super excited. You guys are probably some of the first people to hear about it. I'm so excited because I already have two girlfriends in mind that I'm like, I got to buy this book for them as well. So I'm going to order three copies as soon as we get off this call. So I'll send you the link. (laughs) I cannot wait. And the link to buy the book will be in the show notes below. So if you're interested and intrigued, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend Madeline's work. It's really been life-changing for not only myself and seeing how I was operating in my life for the last, well, since 2017. Um, But I have sent so many clients her way and all of them have been, have received the transformation that they're looking for through the food that they had. I've had women that have gone from diminished ovarian reserve to being able to get pregnant to women who have had painful periods to all of a sudden feeling like the period is a normal thing. So really it's amazing. And it, it just, it's so awakening to see how much food does impact our health and what our story is about our relationship to our hormones. So I highly rec- recommend her work. So the book link will be down below. And then if you want to follow or contact Madeline, you can do so by going on Instagram or Facebook at natural hormone healing. And then of course her website, natural hormone, And those links will also be in the show notes below. Is there anything you want to add Madeline before we go today? 
I think that's all. Thank you for those really beautiful words about your clients. I'm so happy to hear that. Yes, it's so exciting. I I love seeing the transformation that food does. And it really has been, it has been something that has been like a transformational, rocky relationship with myself of just, you know, having my sight set on something that I want to do and then falling off the, the path and then getting back on the path with new awareness. And it's really been amazing how, I now see food in a totally different light and it impacts not only me, but it impacts my family because when I have transformed me, I have transformed what is what they're being fed. And I have two girls, a eight year old and a seven year old, and they're going to be hitting puberty in the next five years or so, five, six years. (laughs) And so like, these are the tools. Like I always say, like we do this for ourselves, but this is a tool for us to change the next generation as well, to change the story and the dialogue and the awareness that we've had around the womb and womb health. And, you know, this is the first step is healing our own body and seeing the power within it. So that way we can move mountains for those that are in our life, whether it be our own children, our nieces, our friends, kids that are like our God kids or our children. And, you know, this is where we start to change how we, we talk about women's bodies. So thank you, Madeline, so much for being here. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm going to plug my nose and try to get an oyster down. (laughs) I'm going to make the attempt to have more seafood in my life. For way too long, as women, we have been guided to hate our menstrual cycle and to curse our hormones. We have lost the art of seeing the inner power of being cyclical. So, if this podcast is inspiring you and waking up a new curiosity of how your cycle can be your superpower, I invite you to check out the She Sisterhood. This is a monthly membership that will align you to your unique rhythm through aligned womb yoga practices, cycle coaching on how to weave your cycle wisdom into everyday life, and to be part of a community of women that are awakening to their inner power. Remember, womb wisdom equals connection to self, which ultimately equals inspired living. And if you love this episode, don't forget to rate and review. I love seeing how this information is transforming your life.